1: Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for listening, guys.
1: We are happy to have you here where we have another great show in store for you where we welcome Mort Fertel and.
0: Welcome back.
1: Yeah, he was on. Way back,
0: long, long four time ago. Years ago. Yeah, four or five years ago, one of our very first few episodes. So I
1: can't believe we've been doing this for that long. I know. It's a little break in I between. Know.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Mort Fortell is the creator of Marriage Fitness, a relationship renewal system that has been used by millions of people in marital crisis, um, and he is also married and has five children and lives in Maryland.
1: And today we went into the conversation with the idea that we were going to talk about what to do when you don't fulfill your partner's love language. And we certainly talk about that, but a lot of the show was just a really great conversation about how we can love our partner better. Or if you're feeling that you're not getting the love from your partner, how you can communicate that. And so it was just really great conversation and some great perspectives that more gives us in today's episode.
0: So if you think you have your partner's love language nailed down, this is even more of a reason to listen to the show because he kind of throws us a curveball. So we're not going to leak it to you. We want you to listen to find out, but it's uh, pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, so check it out. And as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, telling your friends and family about the show. That's how we continue to grow. And uh, yeah, we just really appreciate you guys. Enjoy today's show.
0: That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Mort. Thank you so much for joining us back on the show.
2: You're welcome. And thank you for having me.
1: Mort, today we are going to focus in and talk about how to recover from not fulfilling our partner's love language. And we thought a good place to start would be having you tell us about love languages and why they're so important.
2: Sure. So, um, you know, different people like to be loved in different ways. For some people, they like physical affection. Other people like acts of service. Uh, Other people like, you know, spending quality time. Um, And, I mean, everybody likes, I think, all of the love languages to some degree, but uh, some are some of the love languages are more important to some than to others. It's probably not a bad idea to try to be sensitive to and be aware of what you know the primary love languages are of your you know for your spouse. We should probably give credit where credit is due. By the way, this whole term love languages is uh, should be credited to uh, you know not to me but to Gary Chapman. Uh, he's the author of the book The Five Love Languages, which is a good book and uh, he identifies those love languages.
1: If this is the first time any of the listeners are hearing that, uh, the term love languages, then I cannot tell you how valuable it's been in understanding myself and improving Sarah and I's relationship. And super critical to understand how you receive love and, and what makes you feel most loved so that you can Communicate that to your partner and vice versa. So certainly something important to do and and as a as a foundation and and so someone hearing this for the first time and then they're like, oh man, I didn't even know that, and then realizing I haven't been fulfilling my partner's love language, and uh, it's probably not the best feeling <laughs> when you when you realize that your partner receives love and a completely different way than you've been giving it. It's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, and that's why you're listening, to change that. But what can we do if we have been neglecting our partner's love language? And, and I say that uh, from a place of, I we know it's not on purpose most of the time, but it feels like a, a tough place.
2: Can I just make one other point before I answer that question? Of course. Okay, great. Because I think it'll be, I think it'll add an interesting uh, flavor to our conversation. I I just want to make a point that while I I lie, I mean I just recommend it, and I do like very much Gary Chapman's work in that book. Um, I do want to to um, make a distinction between his approach there and my approach, because I think it's an interesting point, interesting insight, interesting point. I actually don't think it's so crucial to really know your spouse's love language. And that may sound strange coming from me, but I'll tell you why I don't think it's so crucial. I don't think it's so crucial because I think it's much more important to know all the love languages and to be a loving person. And if you know the love languages, if you know how to love and you are committed to being a loving person, then that means that you are loving in all of the languages and you don't have to be so on target about your spouse's love languages because you have them all covered and your spouse will be fulfilled. The difference is you may not know exactly why your spouse is so fulfilled because you're loving them in all the different ways, um, but they will be fulfilled. And it's a, it's just, it's a slight tweak um in in the way one can look at this but i think it's meaningful i think it's um i think it's a much better approach for a person to just say to themselves you know i want to be a loving person i'm committed to being a loving person i'm committed to learning what that means to be a loving person and i'm going to be loving and if i and i think if a person approaches it that way and they don't have to spend really any time or energy trying to figure out what's your love language is and am I on target or no, do it, do it differently. And a person could drive
0: themselves crazy. I love that you mentioned that that approach of just being a loving person in general. But what would you say to somebody like Chase and I, for example, he could care less if I get him gifts and um, he's more of a physical touch loving person. So would I be exerting energy, giving him gifts and doing things like that if it doesn't really, not that he doesn't care, but it's not as meaningful to him as it would be if I was to come up to him and rub his shoulder or give him a hug or or something like that?
2: I think you should do both. And I, and I understand that the physical affection, rubbing his shoulders, for example, will be more meaningful. Okay. Okay, fine. So you'll, you know, that'll be more meaningful to him. Um, As I said in the very beginning, uh, you know, different different love languages are important to people on a on a continuum. You know, relatively speaking, I I I kind of doubt that Chase doesn't like getting gifts. That would be pretty unlikely. Um, I like it. (laughs) Yeah, right. He likes it, And and like I said, I think everybody appreciates to some degree all the love languages. And I just think it makes life much simpler and all of us better people. If we just say to ourselves, I'm going to understand what it means to be a loving person. And I'm going to demonstrate all of those love languages in my relationships.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because as before the interview we were reviewing the love languages and going over them, and I was thinking to myself, I kind of like all of these. <laughs> so it would kind right. of be amazing if, you know, we each right. did all of these in our relationship.
2: Right. Well, I didn't I didn't want to get into that, but now that you bring it up, that's that's one of the reasons why I prefer the approach that I just mentioned. Because because the way Gary Chapman presents it. And again, you should read the book. He's great. The content is great. But the way he presents it, it's as if a person like only needs to be loved in one way. And I just don't think people are that simple. I think people are much more complex and that they really do need to be loved in multiple ways. Also, just another point, you know, most people have more than one person in their life that they want to love. Now, don't get the wrong idea. I'm the marriage guy and I'm all for monogamy. <laughs> but we have children and we have a mother and a father and a brother and a sister. And we want to be in loving relationships with them also. Now, of course, it's different than the marital relationship. But again, if I am an overall well versed, loving person, so then uh, it's likely that those other people in my life will feel loved by me as well and again I don't have to analyze each and every person and try to figure out you know what their love language is I just am myself and I've got them all covered
1: yeah asking ourselves how we can just be an overall more loving person is a great perspective to take in if someone listening is like yeah I would love my partner to ask themselves that but doesn't seem like they are how can they express that to their partner that like, hey, I'm not feeling loved by you?
2: A good way to do it is to talk about the last time they did feel loved by them. In other words, if you're feeling like, you know, Sarah, if or Chase, if you're feeling that Sarah hasn't been physically affectionate lately, And you're yearning for that, and you're missing that, uh, and you're disappointed by that. So rather than being critical, which is never a good idea, you could say, do you remember last week when, you know, spontaneously I was sitting at the desk and you came up behind me and started rubbing my shoulders, and, and it wasn't just for two seconds, but you actually stayed for like five minutes and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed? I just loved that. Like, did you know that made my week? So to, to like, to like sort of remember when kind of experience, you know, basically what you're doing is you're putting back on her radar, how important it is for you that she be physically affectionate and you don't have to tell her that she hasn't done that in a week. She knows, (laughs) she knows. And it's just a much more positive way, a much healthier way. The worst thing in the world in a relationship is what I call the three C's, criticize, condemn, and complain. Uh, We mean well when we do it, but I would challenge everybody listening to take an honest look at their lives and their relationships and ask themselves if any time they've ever done it, that it's worked. And I can almost guarantee you that the answer is it has not. It doesn't work ever. And so that's not the
1: way to go. I love that using a positive statement towards your partner to express that you want to feel affection or love in a certain way is, it's such a, it's a much more productive way to have that conversation. And what would you tell a partner on the other side who's thinking to themselves, yeah, I have not been the best husband or wife or or girlfriend or boyfriend over the last week, month, years, how can they begin to start to rebuild that love?
2: At the risk of sounding overly simplistic, just start now. Make a change now. You know, um, I had this discussion with someone this morning in a private session. I was explaining that the quality of a relationship is determined much more by how we act in the future than it is by how we acted in the past. If you think about it, this is self-evident, if you, but you just have to really think about it. If you think about it, it's the more recent encounters in a relationship that weigh more heavily on how we feel about the relationship at any given time which is, thank God that's true, Like that's that's very hopeful, that's very optimistic, because that basically means that in any relationship at any time, I can significantly upgrade the quality of the relationship just by focusing on the next encounter. And again, I think this is self-evident if you think about it, and if you've ever been in a relationship where there's this wonderful history, and then all of a sudden something really bad happens, So, what will be your primary thoughts and feelings about that relationship over the course of the next few days? It'll be bad. (laughs) You know, it's as if that long history of all that good stuff is just non-existent. And the reverse is true too. You could have a lot of pain, betrayal, hurt, disappointment in a relationship. And if you have a transformative experience of love and forgiveness and hope and a second chance And all that just happens in a few hours. What are you going to be feeling over the next next few hours or even few days? The chances are good you're going to be feeling love, hope, forgiveness. It's a it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a tremendous gift from God the way He created relationships. Quality of our relationship again is much more dependent upon how we act in the future than it is about how we act in the past. That's why when people say, you know, it's too broken. It can't be fixed. Too much water under the bridge. Too much has happened. It's it's an unsophisticated thing to say. It's, it's just not true. I mean, I know there's real hurt there and real feelings that are driving that comment. But as a practical matter, it's just not true. That's just not the way relationships work.
1: So say a partner who hasn't felt love, they express to their partner, hey, you remember that time last week when you rubbed my shoulders? I really liked that. Do the example like you gave. And then they don't see a change. What could be some next steps?
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Iconic, where you can shop name brand glasses, contacts, and sunglasses for the best possible price. Iconic seamlessly connects your eyewear, your vision insurance coverage, and your doctor's expertise with their network of over 38,000 eye doctors. Use their virtual try-on tool to see yourself in your favorite pair of glasses. Enjoy the view and visit Iconic.com slash I do. That's iconic. E-Y-E-C-O-N-I-C dot com slash I do to shop 60 high quality name brands, including Nike, Ray-Ban, Oakley, and AccuView. Get free shipping and returns, price matching, and a complimentary frame adjustment. Plus save up to $220 when you apply your insurance. Don't have insurance? Use the promo code I do to get 10% off your entire order. Iconic is looking out for your eyes. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship.
3: You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen... On its own, and that's why Sarah really did all the heavy lifting on this. And <laughs> hey, you created too. <laughs> this course with the therapists that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice.
0: You can do this in 90 days, you can do it from home, and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together, and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple micro culture and future together. So, for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So, again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo.
3: Check it out. Don't waste <laughs> any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs>
2: Another strategy. Yeah. Um, I've got two more I could suggest. I'll, I'll just start with one. You tell me if you want another one. Um, it's a good idea in a relationship to demonstrate on a fanatical level, the very thing that you really want to see from your spouse. So in other words, if you want your spouse to be very physically affectionate, then be very physically affectionate. Create a culture in the family, in the marriage, where physical affection is just what we do. It's how it happens. It's all over the place. You know, it's like, it's like, um, uh, you know, in, in our home, we try very hard. We have this phrase, Always speak in a calm voice. it's a mantra over and over again always speak in a calm voice always always speak in a calm voice and so whether you're calling somebody to the dinner table, whether you're upset with them, whether you know they hurt you, we always speak in a calm voice now we have you know, five kids <laughs> 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 who have been various ages through the years. This is not an easy, not an easy uh, quality to promote in the home, but we do it. And what's my point? My point is that I think we've done a pretty decent job, so much so that when somebody raises their voice in our home, it just feels so out of place. It's as if they don't belong. Like, it doesn't belong. It's it's like, it's as if that person just stepped into a culture that, you know, and they're from a different culture. Like, that's just not how we do things here. So in every family, in every marriage, there is a culture. And the culture impacts what we feel comfortable doing and not doing. A hundred years ago in America, nobody would walk outside in shorts. Why not? I don't know. It's just nobody did it. It just wasn't the fashion. It wasn't the thing. So you would feel odd. Today, nobody would think twice. What's the difference? There really is no difference except that it's just the norm. Well, you know, one person doesn't have the ability to influence, uh, you know, the fashion culture in America. But we do have the ability to dramatically influence the culture in our marriage because there's only two of us. So circling back to your point, if it's the culture to be physically affectionate,
0: then you have a
2: good chance of really influencing your spouse to being, being part of that culture. Um, and by the way, the reverse is true as well. If your spouse is behaving in ways that are contributing to a negative culture, you want to be careful to reject that culture. Let's say, for example... Your spouse uses inappropriate language uh, or raises their voice. It would be natural to follow their lead, raise your voice, and use inappropriate language. But it would be natural, but it wouldn't be wise, right? You want to do the opposite. You You want to reject that culture and provide leadership rather than following. So anyway, that's the the second thing you could do is to demonstrate in an obsessive way the very quality that you want to appear. Uh, the third one is, you've probably heard this one before, it's it's, uh, not unique to my teachings, Um, but you can use an I feel sentence. Um, There's two parts to an I feel sentence. The first part is I feel, and then you finish the sentence authentically. So um, I feel bad we're picking on Sarah all this time, but let's <laughs> say Chase is feeling a uh, lack of physical affection. So Chase might, feel, might say, I feel um, uh, starved for affection, something like that. So the I feel sentence is uh, the first step. Second step is the hard part, and that is to be quiet, not say another word. Uh, 99% of people that use the I feel sentence, they blow it. They blow it by opening their mouth after the I feel sentence because almost always what happens after, or almost always what they say after I feel is, you did, you are, you always, you never. They get into the Cs, They're criticizing, condemning, and complaining, which we already discussed never works. But if you just stick with the I feel sentence, so your spouse is not stupid. They'll make the connection between your feeling and their behavior or lack of behavior. And they'll, the result is they'll feel responsible. They'll feel like, oh, I could, I could really, I could do something. I could be my spouse's hero. I could change my behavior and alleviate their ill feeling. And there's just a natural trigger inside a person's conscience that that compels them to do that, I mean, and that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will do it, but the, the, there's the, at least some, some compulsion in that direction, you know, which is, uh, which is productive. I want to point out that when you use an I feel sentence, your spouse will make the connection between your feeling and their behavior. And why is that so significant? It's significant because if they make the connection If they see that their behavior caused that feeling, then it's true. As opposed to when you say it. (laughs) If you say it, then they can argue it, and they will. But if they say it, or at least see it, then it's true. And when you use the I feel sentence and you allow in their, you don't make the connection in their mind they make the connection in their mind when you make the connection they doubt it when they make the connection it's true
0: what if they're completely unaware of it and it it doesn't turn into a smooth conversation where one person is ex, you know expressing in with i statements and then it immediately because the other person is unaware turns into a feeling blamed and criticizes and then it just goes down a rabbit hole of of that dialogue instead of an actual beneficial one for the relationship?
2: Well, if you're, if you succeed to avoid the three C's, criticize, condemn, and complain, I'm not sure how that could happen. I'm also not sure how a person could, um, I think this is more of a theoretical question. I think in practice, I'm not sure that it really happens that way. I mean, I know mm-hmm. just in my own experience, you know, if if my wife does something, maybe, maybe I should say this that might help. The I feel sentences have to be right there on the spot, on the heels of the action that was hurtful. So my wife says she's going to be home at six. She doesn't come home until 630. She didn't call. She didn't text. I was worried. I didn't know where she was. And I say, she walks in the door at 6.30, and I say, you know, I feel ignored, or I feel mm, worried. it's It's not possible that she wouldn't understand why I feel worried and ignored. It's just obvious.
1: Is there ever any value in forming some kind of apology to your partner if you've been neglecting their love language or making them feel loved or should the partner expect anything like that, that obviously we don't want to have crazy expectations but right. where where could an apology come in perhaps
2: Yeah, so those are two different questions. They're both great questions. We'll start with the last one, the second one that's easier, and you really already answered it, which is it's never a good idea to have expectations. (laughs) The bigger your expectations, the more likely you are for problems and disappointment. Um, So not such a good idea to expect this or expect that. Um, We should expect uh, a good recipe for success in life, uh, not just in marriage, is more we expect of ourselves and the less that we expect of others, the more successful we're likely to be. But um, should we yeah. uh, issue an apology 100%? The question is, uh, which is not such a simple question, What what does it mean to apologize? See, I, I think you probably meant, you know, should I say I'm sorry? So in my experience, I'm sorry are pretty much useless words. What really matters is how you act in that experience of remorse. If you're really demonstrating remorse, then you don't need to say, I'm sorry. And if you do say, I'm sorry, and not demonstrating remorse then you've wasted two words. So yes, it's important to apologize, very important, but, and I, and I fear this is going to go beyond what we can cover in a few minutes of a podcast, but it raises a gigantic question, fascinating question, gigantic question, which is what does it really mean to apologize effectively in a relationship? And I can answer, the, I can answer quickly what it doesn't mean. It definitely does not mean to simply utter the words, I'm sorry. That's, that's useless um, without the act of remorse behind it.
1: Are there any other things that someone that hasn't felt loved by their partner can say or do to begin that healing process? You've given us some great tips in, in just creating the change you want by, by loving your partner in the ways you want to be loved and, and then explaining to them, uh, you know, hey, that, that thing you did last week. But maybe someone that feels a little bit more, I don't want to say like dramatic as hopeless, but like that they're in a deep hole and their relationship is really suffering. Are there any steps they can take to to get out of that situation?
2: I hope this will be an answer to your question. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's so much steps as much as sort of a paradigm, but I think for someone in that situation you just described, it's really, really important to realize that your spouse is telling themselves a story that they're using to justify the way they're treating you. It's unlikely, it's possible but highly unlikely. That your spouse is a total jerk, it's highly unlikely that your spouse is a bona fide narcissist. It's highly unlikely that you know your spouse is evil. What's much, much, much more likely ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cases is your spouse has a perspective on the situation that results in them feeling clean. They feel justified in treating you the way they're treating you. And it would really help if you could try, it's hard, but try to understand their story. Because if you can understand their story, then you can go about ruining their story. And when you ruin their story, they lose their justification for treating you that way. And all of a sudden, they start feel, to feel compelled to reciprocate and to be decent. So it's important to realize that, that you know, your, your husband, your wife, they're not evil. They're, uh, they feel justified. And understand why, and um, and begin to really address the the uh, the factors that they think are giving them license to treat you this way. And if you can address them and eliminate them, then you'll create the dynamic in their conscience where they won't feel comfortable behaving that way anymore. And that can often be the turning point.
0: I think it's something that is important to remember, even if you're in a happy relationship, because there are times where, you know, Chase will do things and I'll feel frustrated, but then I just always remind myself that he doesn't have bad intentions, that he is just human and possibly unaware of why it's affecting me. So I think that's something to just always remember, uh, really in a romantic relationship, at work, just in general.
2: Yeah, 100%. That's a great, great point. Some, some people are so exacting and have such high expectations that everybody around them be perfect all the time that they're just never going to succeed in a long-term relationship. To succeed in a long-term relationship, you, you have to be forgiving. You have to be uh, you know, um, somewhat easygoing. You can't hold everybody accountable to everything all the time. Nobody will ever meet your expectations. Um, I, I, I just, that was nothing new. I was just elaborating on what you, the point that you brought up, which I think was brilliant.
0: Thank you, thank you, and I, I would assume it would be exhausting as well for the other person to always have high expectations for everybody. That sounds sure. exhausting. <laughs> well, Mort, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We really appreciate it. I think this will be a big eye opener for a lot of people who maybe had been so focused on love languages in their relationship, and maybe it just wasn't working for them, and they just couldn't find that right love language for their partner. And now they'll just be able to focus on loving their partner entirely, and maybe that will be a better fit for them. So thank you so much for kind of bringing this uh, this way of thinking into the show. You're welcome. So let's have you uh, wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Sure. You can find me online at mortfortel.com and I have a free report there, Seven Secrets to Fixing Your Marriage which is a good way to get to know me and get a lot of really good information about how to begin to fix your marriage. MortFortell.com.
0: Excellent. Well, that will be on IDpodcast.com as well as on uh, our show notes page. And again, thank you for joining us back on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other if you have questions or just need some relationship advice. slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week
3: you were listening to a pleasure podcast